We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. It's a midweek mailbag edition of the show, and we're excited to do that. You know we love these because you guys get involved and you bring some fantastic questions to the table. I hope this doesn't bother you, but I think it's also a really cool thing. We're going to almost start doubling up episodes every day, taking longer episodes and condensing them into one. And then on the other hand, bringing you a second episode so you maybe have like a morning fresh out of the you know um, coffee shop or uh, leaving for work for the day and you have something to listen to and then also providing you with maybe like a lunchtime or drive home podcast that you can get some fresh content there. I think yesterday's was successful uh, as far as you guys being active parts of it from what data I have available. So we talked yesterday about Andrew Barry's press conference and then also in the late afternoon released some thoughts on Tommy Reese being hired as tight end coach. And then we talked about some other things in between there, uh, but a lot of good stuff. And I hope you enjoyed that. So we are going to try to do a little bit more of that. And that's the angle here. Andrew and I will try to reach into in the off season so that these podcasts aren't an hour and 10 minutes, but you can get some good stuff from 25, 35 minutes of two episodes per day. I think that's a, it's an exciting thing. And it also gives us a chance if something happens in the morning of the next day to get you something maybe around lunchtime that is, a bit more up to date, right? That's what the that's what the goal is here, Andrew. What's up, dude? Yeah, the schedule in the off season gets a real weird, real fast, right? You, as soon as the the weekends don't involve a game, it's like we're just kind of wandering through. It's like going to a big old Walmart without a shopping list. You're just it is. You're back in the pet section buying fish all of a sudden. You know, you're yep. like, I guess I guess I'm a lizard guy now. I I, I got lost. Do, do I need off. like an overhead lamp? Right. Yeah. You don't work? even know. Is, yeah. is it wood chips? What are these guys? even yeah. want to be they, in i don't know eat so, them at the same time yeah right is it yeah. food and bedding so that's kind of us right now i feel like we're we're in the pet section just making bad decisions and i think if we have smaller episodes that we can be a little more nimble with things as news breaks if news would break that'd be super cool if news would break by the way yeah uh, be great we love news <laughs> i'm a big fan of the news big fan uh occasionally uh so yeah that <laughs> i think that's the that's the idea right is that it would be it, it's easier to react to stuff on the fly and, and we can kind of be a little more free with the schedule because there's no game week stuff to get into. So 
I'm excited about it. I, th- I think it's a it's a good way to experience this. And and yeah, I I don't know about you. My podcast listening habits. I get a little daunted when the run times are up over 45, 50 minutes because I just yeah. don't typically have that much uninterrupted time. In my yeah, day. it's a, it's a, it's a big thing to look at and uh, it's imposing. And we're gonna just gonna try to switch it up. We're gonna try to change our offense. Well, that's funny. Someone else is trying to change their offense this offseason hmm. too. We're gonna dig into that. Before we do so, though. Andrew and I also had some banter back and forth, and we're just not really giving uh, more of our personal experiences or, or our, our um, entertainment value at the start of show. So we're going to sprinkle that in an occasion. And today's opener, where we talk through what we're going to be talking about, a little prep here, it's come out that as Oppenheimer had 13 Oscar nominations mm-hmm. uh, today, mm-hmm. our good man Andrew Spader has not even seen the movie yet. That's true. So, speaking of... Um, endeavors that are daunting to look at runtime that's why i brought it up jake i kind of laid the groundwork there for I my picked main up you're putting down my main oppenheimer excuse which is it is the length of an sec football game and so it's, yeah you know it's tough especially during football season because typically if i have large chunks of time to watch things it's going to be football games and then when yeah. i'm when i'm not doing that then i want to kind of be away from the tv doing other things so i find my movie consumption generally is is a little bit lower during the season. And then now this time of year, as there's fewer games to really hone in on, things start to happen. So I, I feel like it's in my future. I feel like it's in my near future. It might even be this Saturday, uh, but uh, it hasn't happened yet. I do I do want to because I love a historical uh, drama. I love I love things, especially that time period, right? World War II, pass, just past that. That era is very interesting to me. So yeah. I, I, everything about it, uh appeals to me i i'm a fan of of killian murphy etc etc but it just hasn't happened yet because mostly because it's three and a half hours long are you um a movie goer do you get to the theater often or is that not something you enjoy i don't at all um really i I haven't been to a movie theater in five four or five years now wow that's one of my favorite things to do it's one of my what turns you off on the movie theater experience? Well, I have a I have a nice TV, okay. <laughs> to be honest well, with you. I would and, imagine most people have decent TVs. So yeah. That, I'm not counting that one. What's the okay. so Let's get to well, the root of this issue. No, that really is it, though, is that I don't feel like the experience is better in any way being in public and less comfortable. Like, I have a nice couch. I have a nice TV. I like to be... I just like... I prefer to, you know, engage in something like that at home, plus... Something comes up, I can pause. I, I have flexibility in that way that I don't have hmm. if I'm stuck in a movie theater seat. Where you're you're making it, you're it's. I th- I think maybe we're discovering some commitment issues that I have here because. Well, it's interesting because you're saying a couple things that I would just firmly disagree with. Which sure, great. The 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 really nice. I'm not saying I saw it on the um. What was it is it 48 millimeter? I don't know what the the nicest film. Um, 35, I think for is, is it 35 for Oppenheimer okay. the 35 yeah. millimeter IMAX. Yeah, that sounds right. In um. Not that you have to see it on that. There's only like 15 theaters that do that. Right. You know, all in New Jersey. Weirdly enough. And I saw it. You know, I think my point is, yes, nice TVs. Totally get that experience at home. Got to stop. Got to urinate. Get it. I actually think movie theaters need to start putting in the idea of an intermission. Can I say that? I think they should. Intermission. Not not the worst idea in the world. If these run times are getting to three hours. Wasn't that a conversation with the killer moon with Oppenheimer? I don't know. But I I, like that. Nolan was opposed to it, maybe. I, I didn't see any of that, but it definitely could be out there. The same with Scorsese and, you know, uh, the Killer Moon, whatever. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. I think it was Flowers of the Killer Moon. 
right? I think so. Anyway, that one's I saw in theater Killers too. And that, flower, a, yeah, something like that. You front and back. You were right. Dyslexic, right? Passing that on. Um, he, you know, that one was like oh, longer than Oppenheimer. And um, anyway, the seats are comfortable these days, Andrew. You're talking reclining seats, as good as it gets. The movie theater experience changed for me when you could reserve your seat and the, the seats reclined, and they got really comfortable. And the sound stuff is spectacular these days. That's where I'm at. I love to go to the movie theater. I, I I go, I haven't done a subscription. I've thought about doing a movie theater subscription because you get like a movie a month and it rolls over and all this stuff. So you could get multiple tickets. If you don't see one month, you could get two or three the next month, depending on when you go again. But like, I'm a big believer in it. I think you need to get back out in the world of movie theaters and give it a whirl. Do you have a nice one down there near you? Or are you kind of like, that's I don't another think so. Issue? I think there's like a, uh, there's like a fancy one that does food and stuff like that, that I think is pretty fun. Like kind yeah. of a retro deal. Yeah. But I don't think there's like a, a deluxe situation, and uh, yeah, Columbus you know, I'm a little bit some good offerings there. Yeah, I'm a little bit outside of town as well, so you're also talking about probably like a thirty-ish minute drive. So there, that, like, those are reasonable, totally. Yeah, understand there's that. like six different reasons. Some of them you agree with, some of them you don't. But but overall, it's kind of honestly. I mean, this is a sports podcast, uh, ostensibly. Uh, it's some some of the same thing is happening with sports attendance to me. Like I uh-huh. I went to. Th- three or four high school football games this fall, but not a single college or NFL game. So that level of experience, the accessibility of it, being able to get in, stand yeah. on the sideline, lean on the fence, yeah, $2 hot chocolate. These are the things that we love, right? Little, uh, little chicken and noodles, maybe. Those are good at the game. You ever have yeah, those? West thing. That's not available oh. down here. Down here, they, they actually they should, just bring they in boxes of Bojangles chicken sandwiches. That's unbelievably awesome. True. It's oh, and, man. and then mark them up. But that's the vibe down here. So, but no, I, yeah, chicken noodles and <laughs> them up. I love that <laughs> in, uh, in the Midwest or like a, uh, I've seen, I think I've seen a sloppy Joe at a, yeah. at a high yeah. school concession stand before. So, but you know, anyway, I, I think that it's kind of changed as I've, as I've, as I've aged and gotten more, I mean, I'm, I'm a grump, you know, I'm a grouch. I like to be at home. So that's, it's, that's why I'm so good at podcasting, Jake. <laughs> it takes a lot to get me to a game. I mean, our, our good friend Cody Sook, uh, our uh, you know team member at the OBRs, has been nice enough to give me a couple tickets with him. They're in the nicest part of the stadium, overhang, can't get wet. It's an awesome club experience, and it was the game, you know, the Jets game, which we talked after. We talked about many times, and it was an unbelievable stadium experience. And there were still multiple times where I thought, I don't like this experience where I was either walking <laughs> to it or I was walking away from it. Yeah. That's another larger picture conversation about the accessibility of Cleveland Brown Stadium that is really annoying. Totally. But it it is the way these games can be consumed on TV. And and for me, like the seats Cody has are great. You can really see pretty well, but there's still stuff I can't see. So I'm like annoyed by that whereas maybe the average fan isn't annoyed by that because they don't really care they just want to yell and scream and drink i'm like man i really wish i could see what the coverage was on the far corner of that you know setup so i could have a better thought about it or whatever but yeah you're right that experience is um is definitely changing in a very real way the thing for me maybe when i get a little older the thing for me is like getting out to the movies is um an excuse to not think about kids right <laughs> to say well, that sure, way. Sure. it's, it's yeah, a way to like that's the difference between the two of us for get sure. get away for two hours yeah. and not be interrupted like is at right. home right you're gonna like it's tricky you you put the kids down 
I felt so guilty saying that you put the kids down and it's like, oh, man, I could fall asleep in the first 10 minutes of this movie. Yeah. Right. Right. So right. we have very different an, experiences of that yeah. because I, I got done with work and it was like six o'clock and I had nothing going on. So it's like, wow, well, just fire up a movie. Yeah. You're not firing up a movie at 6 p.m. Nope, I will get not... like I will get a stone cold stunner from the right. top of the couch from a six year old, <laughs> and he will laugh in my face uh, while doing. You wouldn't it, even so. get through the opening credits. Nope, nope, and I'd get told to turn on Paw Patrol or something. Right, so exactly. I'd so... have to watch a movie on my phone and be ignoring the kids <laughs> in the corner of the house somewhere. So with your earbuds in, yeah, that, that's the and then, you know I don't think Kelby would love uh, that effort for me, so I'd get called out. It's a lose. You got problems a lot of losing. all over the house with that. Yeah, a lot, a lot of problems. So listen, long story short, we sorted through where we're at. I love that. Maybe some people relate to it. Maybe you don't. Maybe you think Jake's just really sabotaged his ability to be a good parent by saying that. But I do like getting out. And I love taking, like, our oldest kid, you know, we've seen some great movies together now. And he really loves going to the movie theater. It has to have a hot dog. Got to oh, have a hot dog. Okay. Not something I would consider a movie theater experience. Think hot dog, popcorn, and slushy. It's his thing. Got to have it. Great. Not cheap. No. Not cheap. No. But makes him happy in the theater. Just absolutely in the, in the you know, I've also we'll wrapped this up here. I know some of you guys are probably fast forwarding through this, but like pro tip, if you have kids, you're taking them to a movie. Do not go at the start of the movie. If the movie's at seven or the movie's at five, go at 530. Mm. Do not waste a half hour of their attention span on previews. That's smart. I like that the, 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 it happened the first time we went to a movie and like, Halfway, or not even, maybe not even halfway through the movie, he was like, I could tell he was just getting ready to check out mentally from this movie. So every minute of their attention is uh, is vital. So take them 25 minutes. That's the thing I've pretty much timed up on previews these days. So um, 25 minutes. But also Another one more. Not to go in the first place. 25 minutes of previews is horrendous. Awful. Just Just bump it back. Just bump back every movie time, 25 minutes. But right, like you're going another suggestion, I think we maybe talked through this, or maybe we didn't. Godzilla minus one. See that one if you get a chance. It's really okay. good. $10 million budget, and they're up for uh, special effects awards. It was unbelievable. I mean, I'm, I'm out on the Godzilla thing uh, for the most part, the way they've, they've gone this route. But like real storytelling, man. Really, really, really cool. Uh, really cool movie. So they made the homework. gigantic lizard monster look real, huh? It's not even that they made it look real. It's that they made a story around it that wasn't about the sort of a Cloverfield situation. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. It was just, it was, it was, it was a unique experience in a world that is just about making Godzilla yell and fight. You know, King Kong yells a lot. Big yeller, not happy Mm -hmm. in general. Mm -hmm. Probably radiation issues. All right, we've we've done a lot of movie stuff here, but I I want to do those every now and again. Yeah, it's fun to fun to catch up. Let's jump to the mailbag. So we're going to go through offense. And then uh, maybe defense, and then we'll we'll uh, slip over to another pod. So, first question comes from Hunter. He says, "Is it wrong to think this year we saw the type of quarterbacks Kevin offense uh, Kevin's offense excels with, with Flacco, Kirk to an extent, Jacoby, who didn't bail the pocket, but with quarterbacks that bail the pocket, Deshaun Baker, the offense sputters. Will that ever change as long as he runs it? It's a good question, Hunter. I'll let you." sort of chime in there first andrew uh i know this is a big talking point i know stump talked about it the other day on Mm -hmm. his uh circuit of media time i i don't know man you you give it give me your thoughts i mean i think kevin deserves a ton of credit for designing plays that work really well within the structure of them and so when the quarterback refuses to play within that structure bails early and and you know doesn't get to a second or third read and instead is 
freelancing that can be frustrating and can that can happen to the detriment of the offense right and then the other piece of it is that Joe Flacco I don't think you can really explain enough to people how many of those passes are balls that most quarterbacks in the NFL wouldn't throw for fear of ruining their career and reputation both things that Joe Flacco is not worried about right so the uh not giving a hoot factor is was very high for Joe Flacco all season and that is a part of this because sometimes the throws that he was making were layups that were wide open. Other times the read was barely there, but he didn't want to get hit and he trusts his arm way more than he should, Yeah, even though it's still good. And so he was ripping them into some spots that most guys wouldn't even try. So I, I, don't, I think it's maybe a little reductive to break it down this way, but I do think that one of the strengths of Stefanski's offense is that the scheme often presents an open receiver, but you got to work through the progression to find it. I think Deshaun just, uh, I just think he needs more experience playing this way, which is something that we talked about way back when he got hurt both times is this, this unfortunate Avenue of a lack of a lack of playing because to play on time is to play understanding how things are going to unfold, right? Like, if you are trying to see it before you throw it, that's a recipe for failure long-term in the NFL. You have to play with anticipation. And when you don't play enough, you don't have enough reps over a four-year stretch, you don't see that consistently enough successful, right? Like, I, I mean, I, I genuinely think Deshaun is talented enough to play within the confines of what Kevin likes to do. I just think that he needs to do it. <laughs> sounds so stupid to say but he needs the repetition at it to get better at it and i think he can but uh, it harkens back to how he reckless he plays with his body and will that ever change to just do it because that's yeah. the most frustrating thing because there's a lot and i think you're talking about a lot of throws flacco made where you're like oh yo yes it worked out right but there were also a lot of throws that they created opportunities to drive it downfield. And Deshaun can do those things. He can make those throws. He's done that in the past. And I watched a lot of what Joe did, and I didn't think that there were an overwhelming amount of things that Joe did that Deshaun can't do. And especially the way they altered their offense and did the shotgun play action stuff that he's really comfortable doing. It kind of got me excited for those two reuniting. So I'm going to leave it as... You know, I think Deshaun is uh, an excellent, uh, you know, sort of play extender. Does that last for five more years as he gets to 30 and older? Because we've seen Russell Wilson get into his 30s as a as a unique play extender and it starts to fade. I think that this is the stuff, if I were Quincy Avery in a different uh, timeline here, I would be having discussions with him about because these are serious He's at a crossroads about what his future looks like. He's he's not getting any further away from 30. He's drawing near it. I've said it way too many times already this offseason. But he needs to look at the next five to seven years. He's 28. He turns 29 in season, I believe, Andrew. I think his birthday's in season. That's right. What is 33, 34-year-old Deshaun Watson playing quarterback successfully look like? And how are you working toward figuring that out? That's my question for Deshaun. If I was able to get in front of him and ask that question, that's a question I would want to throw at him. 
because he has a youthful quarterbacking style right now. And that can't keep going in that direction. So that's the way I would put it. If he can start to do those little things, which he has the capability of doing, delivering the football early, throwing with anticipation, he's got a chance. If not, you're talking about a rough 2024 where then conversations about what's the exit strategy look like come up. That's where I'm at. I think that's really well said, Jake. Uh, our next question comes from uh, Kai Talks Browns. Uh, is Elijah a number two? And I know this is right up your alley, Jake, because you love referring to love wide receivers it. by their number. Is Elijah number two? If not, and we seek a, a wide receiver two to start opposite of Amari via free agency, what happens to Elijah? How can we figure out if we should pay him when he's playing as the third receiver? Also, wouldn't another wide receiver hurt the development of Bell and Tillman? Well, um, Elijah is probably at the lower end of what you would like. Okay, the, the, the difficult, I want to be very clear about this so we don't have to address it again. Elijah Moore is a an outside receiver in a slot receiver's body, which makes him a bit of a paradox. You want your outside receivers to be bigger body, bigger frame, bigger catch radius receivers. That's what you would love. If they are outside guys who are smaller, they need to be blazing receivers, very fast, and create a ton of separation. He doesn't do that. He's not even Garrett Wilson's six foot high. He's small. He's small. So I think he's best suited to play outside because I think he's a very precise route runner who's more comfortable along the sidelines. But the problem is he creates limitations through things he cannot control. So that makes it a more difficult process. And putting him at the slot and where you would just figure, and I think the Browns did at the beginning of the year, we can just plug him into the slot and find success. That's not what he's best at. And it's not. it did not lead to production for him. So I would prefer them to bring in another receiver this offseason to go with Amari Cooper. The thing that is important to remember is Elijah's on the last year of his rookie deal. So even if he turns into a reduced snap count gadget type player for you, he's not costing you much money. He's not. And yeah, I mean, could that theoretically hurt Bell and Tillman? I think Tillman is a guy that they want to keep playing, so they'll probably have him on the field in, in some various 11 personnel stuff. And, um, you know, it's also beat him out. <laughs> like, Beat beat him out. If you want to play David Bell or you want to beat him out, Tillman, there's nothing in, in Elijah Moore's contract that says he has to play. Where you know, hey, we're paying him 13 million. Let's well, you gotta you gotta put him on the field. Nah, man. If you want to be on the field over him, then beat him out. But I hope the Browns are not content this offseason running it back with this wide receiver group. I don't think it's good enough. So is Elijah a two at the lowest end of that spectrum? I'm hesitant to say. You should you should lean into that as your second best receiver out in, in another outside type. He's got nice positional flexibility that you can use, take advantage of. But to me, Andrew, I, I would look I would be strongly in the midst of, of being all in, as we know Andrew Barry is, to upgrade that that role. I think one of the most clarifying ways to think about the Browns wide receiver room is to is not just to think about them in a vacuum, but to to compare them to other teams that are kind of where the Browns are at, right? And so take, for example, I mean, Andrew Berry came from Philadelphia. Take take the Eagles, for example, right? 
They've got AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. I, I, at this point, given where the, both of those players are in their career arc, you're taking both of those players over Amari Cooper, much less Elijah Moore, right? So you can, you can think of other teams that have a good quarterback that I, I'm trying to think of teams that have a good quarterback, but not a great quarterback and try and help that quarterback see the field a little bit easier by having good wide receiver options. I'm not talking about the chiefs having nobody, but getting away with it because it's Pat Mahomes, right? Or even really what, where the bills have been with Stefan Diggs getting worse and Josh Allen's throwing to Trent Shurfield in a divisional round playoff game, right? Like think about the, think about the Bengals. Think about these, these teams that are in the mix. Think about what the Ravens did at wide receiver. They added a first round pick and Odell Beckham Jr. in one off season to try and upgrade their wide receiver core. Plus they've got Mark Andrews. Did they add Nelson Aguilar this year too? Just they did. And throw? Aguilar. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. And he's, he's almost arguably been more impactful than Beckham in terms of reliability and yeah. being where he's supposed to be and moving the chains type stuff, red zone stuff. My point with all of this is I think when you go through that exercise, it becomes clear that Elijah Moore is not a difference making wide receiver, whether you call him a wide receiver two, wide receiver three, whatever, it doesn't matter. He is not moving the needle. And I think the Browns were right to try and take a swing to try and see if they could get a relatively low cost up upgrade because he wasn't being utilized properly in New York. I think it was worth yeah. the risk and they threw in the Tillman pick as well. So you, between the two, you're hoping they're kind they're kind, you know, they're not quite sixth round dart throws like Donovan Peoples Jones, but they are dart throws of a type. What I would say now for 2024, the Browns are not in a position to try and develop David Bell over a four year window. He's he's has always been a depth piece for them. He is never going to be a starting wide receiver for this team. It's just not not who he is, not where they are. They they cannot afford to burn a ton of snaps on Cedric Tillman being misaligned and running the wrong routes and breaking stuff off early. Not not what not with their expectations for next year. We just broke down Andrew Berry's press conference. This is not a team that's resting on its laurels, right? If we're having conversations about Cedric Tillman's best assets being blocking, right, next year, then we're not this is not going to work. It's not a long-term answer. Right, but you make a great point about one reason to keep him around because he's sure. helpful in that limited role. So you find sure. little ways that these guys can contribute. David Bell has a small role. Cedric Tillman has a small role. I think that's, to me, that's where Elijah Moore is headed, a depth wide receiver yeah. that has a small role on the team. The easiest way to upgrade the wide receiver room is not adding a is not adding a quote-unquote wide receiver two. It's adding a true young in their prime wide receiver one. Yeah. And then renegotiating Amari's contract so that you've got two or three years of cost control with him if, if he's amenable to that. And so you've got X receiver, whoever that might be, and Amari Cooper as your one, two. That's, yeah. that's how you fix this room. Not by – last year they, they chipped around the margins and they threw some darts and they hoped that they would hit one. And they were, like they, they were better. Yeah, they were collectively better. Yes, absolutely. Right? Yeah. But but uh not good it's enough. It's not good enough to win a Super Bowl. It's not good enough. Unless you have a quarterback uh like Mahomes who can erase a lot, right? And those those big they don't Browns don't have that right now either. So I think they're go. a below average NFL wide receiver room with, with one that. really great player and a and bunch the, of guys who don't stand out. And the tight end offsets a little bit, but not enough. You need you need another serious, need one really more serious threat. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats. Like I said, before you buy them, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they're sent directly to your phone. All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets, create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co. But I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Next question is from Bob B. He said, not Bob's Burgers. Uh, I just want to clarify that. Uh, what are pros and cons of having... Could be. Uh, could be, maybe. It could be. Great show. Uh, pros and cons of having Dewan Jones handle left tackle and move Jed to right tackle or use Jack Conklin at right tackle. It's a lot of tackle stuff there. 
Uh, as we have experienced, having three starters is an advantage as well as maybe Conklin can last through the season. I, listen, I don't. The, the 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 most logical move is moving Jed to right tackle because why not? <laughs> um, why, why why not? If Jed is really struggling as a left tackle and you've done it for five years, his entire life leading up to the moment he arrived in the NFL, he was a right tackle. Try it. See if there's a future with that guy playing right tackle in a more competent way. Just it's worth it at this point. And then say, can Dewand or another guy, Jack Conklin, who has a history of left tackle, do it? I, I think it's worth it. I think the, the Dewan, I know his experience has been at right tackle, but he's such a mountain of a human being and athletic enough for the size he is. I would just try it. You're going to tell me he's any less able to handle left tackle than Orlando Brown? No way. No way. He can do it. He could do it. This is what I would do. Not that I think they're going to do it, but I would do what I just said. I would say, hey, Jack, we're going to have you and Dewan try to figure out left tackle. One of you, right? Go at it. And I would try Jed at right tackle and see if you can get him back to comfort. He's young. He's still so young. He's in an important year. I would try to get him comfortable playing right tackle the way he has been his entire life leading up to it. That's what I would do because he's not he's not good enough at left tackle. So that's what I would uh, that's what I'd rip the band off and try. But that might not be what everyone else would want to do. But you can't let go of any of them really because I don't think you're going to see anywhere near what you feel comfortable with as an offer for Jed. And uh, Conklin's getting paid no matter what. So that's that's what I that's the the maybe non uh, popular route that I would go on that one. Your thoughts? I think that they could get an offer for Jed. It depends on where they're at, sunk cost wise, with him as a player. But if there's a swing tackle that they like as as the third tackle in free agency, I think that I think that you could get a, a pick for Jed Wills, even with yeah. the contract, because of the tackle situation around it. the league. Yeah, I just yeah, I get I guess yeah, maybe maybe. So so my preferred I agree with you on Jones to left tackle. I think it makes too much sense because they have a they have a hole there and he is very young, very athletic and I think it the upside potential of him being able to slot in there at his contract for the next few years is immense. As you mentioned Conklin, they've committed to him. They they they're not getting out of that deal they're going to have more luck getting out of the Wills deal than they are the Conklin deal. So I think the, I think the path forward is Jones at left Conklin at right. And a third legit swing tackle in case of injury or ineffectiveness. A lot of options there. I I would not be opposed to something decent for Jeb, but like throwing a fifth round pick for him. I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I would, I would need it to be something, more meaningful um than than, than like a fifth i, I agree you know what you. i mean so. i agree with you i think this is maybe where andrew berry can use the pick swap thing to his advantage maybe he throws in a, a, a pick swap to get something closer to a third or a second but i i think i think he's i think just based on where the tackle position is around the league there is an offensive line coach that thinks that they can work with jed wills probably would be interested in moving him to right tackle so there's that too um I will say as well, I think I, early in this thought process of the draft, really early, I think the Browns are going to draft a few of them. Just uh, want to prepare. I think they for need that. to. Well, they they have two guards who are less days in Cleveland than they should. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they've taken swings at center. I think that's fine. But guards and then wanting another tackle is what I think uh, will be interesting. Next question is from um, Anman, A-N-M-A-N, 248. Is there a bigger need to upgrade talent in the wide receiver room? 
or running back room. I will bluntly say the running back room. They don't have an Amari Cooper there right now. Nick is coming back from something very serious. I know you think he's going to come back and play a little sooner than me, which is totally fine. I, I, I just am very cautious about Nick coming back and looking like Nick. I think that the running back room needs some sort of serious asset committed to uh, that, that room. So that's what I think. What do you think? I agree with you. I don't know who it is. I, I think as the free agent market comes into clearer focus, there's going to be some names. I threw out Austin Eckler uh, a few weeks ago, just as somebody that is a, is an upcoming free agent and yeah. would really fit a complimentary role with Nick once Nick's back. I think that would be a really fun one too. And he's a veteran can do a bunch of different things for you. Uh, I think they're probably also going to have to draft somebody. I, I that room being what it ended up being by the end of the year is probably the biggest failure of the general manager this offseason, unless I'm forgetting something grotesque. I mean, no. people people were more up in arms about the Josh Dobbs thing, but the the running back room, and credit to our colleague Jack Duffin, he was pushing all offseason for something but more than Jerome Ford as a backup, and I, I hand-waved it a little bit. I didn't, think, I didn't think that it was going to matter as much. Obviously, nobody plans on losing – your all-world running back in week two. Mm-hmm. It's not just that they lost Nick in week two. It's that they didn't make another move. They signed Kareem, washed their hands of it, and walked away. That's the part that actually, in retrospect, kind of gets me a little agitated. I think that's fair. And if you listen to, again, I know I've referenced it four or five times, Stump Mitchell wanted nothing to do with Kareem Hunt being back in Cleveland. So, Which is eye-opening, right? Very eye-opening. I would, I would have assumed it was the opposite, Jake. Me too. I would have too, considering how the franchise portrayed him a little bit, right? As this fun, yeah. lovable guy, right? Right. So. There, I mean, there, there are every year there are running backs available on the open market. I don't have a list in front of me, but I, know. I do. Here we go. I'm going to read this list to you. Great. Here we go. Saquon Barkley. Uh, some of these guys have a uh, franchise tag still eligible. So keep that in mind. Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs. I think both of those guys are back with their team. Derek Henry is going to be a, a true get him. If you want him free agent. Still had a really great year last year. He'll be 30 and some change. No, no, he'll be 30 uh, at the start of next season. Tony Pollard, again, franchise tag eligible, was a little disappointing. Austin Eckler, to your point. DeAndre Swift, who we know they've already had interest in. J.K. Dobbins, I'm out. Injuries, too many injuries to J.K. No offense, man. Just saying his name got him hurt. He's hurt again. He's probably hurt again. Devin Singletary, who had a nice year with Houston. A.J. Dillon, and then the guy I'm most interested in, Zach Moss who will be potentially a cheaper deal mm-hmm. um, and was a really nice runner this year mm-hmm. for the Colts when he played. And can catch the ball pretty well, too, so he fits yeah. that mold as well. There's an early running back preview for you guys. So there's uh, there are options. There are options. Andrew mentioned uh, Eckler, which I think would be great. They're, they're projecting him for like a two-year, six-and-a-three-quarter million, so like a 13-and-a-half million total number. Be fine. Still 28. He'll be 29 in season. DeAndre Swift interests me a good amount, and we know that the Browns have been interested in him, and then Zach Moss, and I'm not going any further than that right now. I think those are three great names, and and really probably when they redo Nick's contract, the mm-hmm. savings from that is probably enough to bring one of those guys in. Spot on. Uh, next one we have is uh, our final offense question. I think Stefanski is one of the top eight play callers in the NFL. I could, I could see that. Yeah, so, so I, one of the things when I saw this question, one of my first thoughts was, can we? Do you want to just uh, off the rip come up yeah, with a top eight list? It. Okay. Um, it's Kyle first, right? 
Kyle and Andy. Kyle and Andy. Mike um, Mike McD, three. Yeah, he's in there. Matt LaFleur. In there. I'm done. <laughs> well, McVeigh. McVeigh, yeah. McVeigh should be higher. Steichen. Yeah, Steichen. That's six. You got to look at all the teams. I think that's the best way to, to yeah. look at it, to go through. And Would you put Sean Payton in that group? He's been known for this his whole career. Hmm. I don't think I would anymore. I certainly wouldn't put him above Stefanski. Okay. All right, so going team to team, um, you know, would you put Ben Johnson in that group? I think he's about to get a job because of it. I think you have to. I think I would, yeah. All right, so um, Bobby Slowick, is he in that group? Mm. I, I, teetering. I, I, yeah, he's in, he's in the conversation. I think I would probably put Stefanski right ahead of him. Okay. Going through um, Zach Taylor. Uh, yes, yeah, Zach Taylor's up there. Todd Munkin is up there, I think, yeah, right? That's the next one I had. Uh, trying to just look obviously Matt Canada's in this conversation. Just kidding, just kidding. Yeah, folks. outside looking in, he's just knocking at the door. Uh, Doug I mean, Peterson. I I wouldn't have him up this far. Would Would you? Okay. I mean, he's probably on the cusp of like yeah. talking about this grouping. Another one that had a bad year this year, but is has been well thought of for a long time is Dable. That's the next one I was going to name. I'm in your head. You're in my head. Kev, Kevin uh, O'Connell. Is, Kevin is O'Connell's one. in there. Yep. I think you take Kyle, Andy, Mike, Matt LaFleur, McVeigh, Steichen, Ben Johnson, and I think Stefanski is like right in the tier yeah. right around it with Slowick and Taylor, right. Monken, Peterson, yep. Dable, KOC. So there we answered that on the fly for you. I think um, I would I would put Stefanski just behind Zach Taylor. Yeah. Just in terms of what those I know that he has had Burrow and Chase and Higgins. So he's nine. They so, have they have also adapted that offense yeah. quite a bit. Slowick, Munkin have only done it a year, so you need to see more from them. I think they deserve to be below Stefanski. But if you were just talking about this season, they're ahead of him. So again, this question is like he's a top ten play caller. I, yeah, which I think so is, his, is right his, on. His question is why he needs to. Why does he need to hand over that duty to the new OC? He just needs help with expanding his run game and play designs, which the OC can do. Your thoughts, Krypton? We agree. I'm fine with Kevin keeping plays. I think I would prefer him to keep the play calling. What we have been a proponent of on this podcast is just two things. If you went after a big name, he's finally to the point I would accept him doing the CEO role if he got the right OC to work under him. I'd be fine with it because I do think he could still heavily influence it. But the other part of it is we just want someone that can expand and think in ways he has not had people around him to help challenge him to think in different ways. And I think that's what you're saying. I just want to reiterate that's what we're saying, right? Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. I just the only thing I would add is the Watson piece of this, right? If yep. if there's an OC that can call it in a way that incorporates some of what Kevin wants to do and is really good at doing, but also gives Deshaun Watson a little bit more comfort, that's worth it. Even if it means because as I said when we recorded yesterday, Stefanski's not leaving. He's still a voice in the offensive play calling process his sequencing that sort of stuff his feel for that stuff still is he's got a headset he's involved he's the head coach he can overrule the offensive coordinator but when you're talking about building the game plan from the ground up if that's if that can be handed to somebody that in doing so gives Deshaun Watson more comfort I think it's worth doing because again this guy is on the roster 
next year and the year after that with almost no exceptions. All right. Final question of this show says it seemed like we're just, we just got one specific defensive question. Seemed like the Ravens game plan was to play zone and make Stroud hold the ball longer for pressure to arrive. The question is here. What will it take for the Browns to figure out how to play zone in certain situations? That comes from Dan. Um, Andrew, you want to crack at that one first? Well, they were playing zone, right? They got forced into playing zone and they didn't do it very well. Uh, they they played a lot of man, but yeah, they they tried to play some zone too, and you know, it didn't it didn't work out. They so got hot. they got eaten alive. So I mean, I it's not just that they're zone in theory is good. Zone in theory is good, but if you don't mix up and change pre snap to post snap, mm. if you show me cover two pre snap and you play cover two, you're gonna get your ass kicked more often than not. Right. They have to be, instead of saying it zone team, they need to be more deceptive in the pre to post, be able to adapt week by week to what fits certain opponents, and they need to have a better feel for communication of route concepts into the type of zones they're playing. That's how I would describe the problem. Do you rebuttal that what do you think no i think that's right on and i would just say that that's the exact same thing that people have been saying about jim schwartz's defense for a decade so yeah i a little bit of this is kind of tiger change its stripes that's part of this conversation and one hopes that getting truly humbled on a national stage by a rookie quarterback and rookie play caller would help him to reconsider some things they the one thing that I think is worth just throwing into the soup here, Jake, is that the Browns have not made any announcements about the coaching staff. They have not announced Alex Van Pelt's departure, et cetera, et cetera. They also, when have been, they've been given the chance, have not said that the defensive staff is back intact. I'm not saying Jim Schwartz is going anywhere. He's had a really random interview for the defensive side of the ball as thank well. Thank you. I had forgotten about Ryan Crow as the defensive line coach. Yeah. That's a that thank you for shouting that out. So so it's very clear that this, the team is moving in the coaching staff world very, very, very quietly. And there are interviews that are not being announced. I think that it would make sense for this front office, if they are going to be pushing a little bit to try and give Deshaun Watson some comfort on the offensive side of the ball, they see what's going on on the defensive side of the ball. Is there somebody who recently lost their job? I'm thinking of Sean Desai, for example that you can find a role for as the sort of second voice in the room that can just add a little, a little tweak, a little something else to the, to this whole process mm-hmm. that, that maybe changes the look some next year, because I think Jim Schwartz is to a large extent who he is at this point, Jake. Can't argue that man can't argue it. And it's, uh, it's sort of played itself out. And some of the concerns we had when he came over from, Tennessee about expanding some of the coverage stuff that we we hope to see and we we did see some things hard to be super critical right but this is the difference between wild card appearances and Super Bowl appearances is the ability to adapt week to week and be be varied I have a hard time thinking that the talent the Ravens have in the secondary is better than the Browns I have a hard time accepting it same with the Chiefs yep so you better you know, you better figure that out. Better figure that out. All right, that's a wrap for the first pod, part one. We will come back a little later in the day, have part two for you where we get a bunch of sort of, um, you know, free agency questions and 
maybe some draft questions, coaching staff questions. We'll have them all answered there. So thanks for being a part of part one. Appreciate you being here, spending time with us. Have a fantastic early portion of your day and then check back in with us later. Until then, be well. Go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.